You've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how payday can come every day by entering their contests with huge cash prizes. This week is jam-packed with action ranging from basketball to golf, and DraftKings has plenty of ways for you to get the front row seat to all the action. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with a DraftKings lineup. DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there is no better place to get in on all the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Presented by the Hockey Podcast Network, this is Getting Bullied. I'm your host, Mark Giannone. Follow this show on Twitter at underscore Getting Bullied. Follow me on Twitter at Mark Flagman. You can follow my co-host, who is with me this episode, at DSilver88. I'm going to sing him in. How about this? Oh, Danny boy, the pipes, the pipes are calling. Dan Silver. Dan, what's up, bud? Wow. That was really beautiful. You've got a really nice voice. Yeah, not many people know that about me, but it's there. It's there. Better in the shower. Wow, my guy guy Mark Gino working on No Sleep. Doing podcasts, man, you're unbelievable. Yeah, let's pull back the curtain here and kind of tell people what's going on. So my work schedule is, it's a mess, really. Um, so I've been working overnights. So I work construction, we remodel supermarkets, a lot of shit has to go on at night. So it works out It works out well for, for the podcast and getting you on because with your schedule, you're more free in the morning. But So we schedule 8 o'clock to do these and... I'm currently working on no sleep. Just got back from the gym. I might still. Ha- I think I still have the the pre workout running through me because I'm I'm raring to go. I'm, I'm I, I'll I'll venture to say this is going to be my best episode ever. You're like a uh, you know like a thoroughbred who just breaks out of the gates and keeps on going. And yeah. I will say that the mornings, you know, I, your schedule is a little crazy now. I mean, I, I like the mornings. I used to, when I used to get up really early. I like going to the gym early and get the yeah. juices flowing and. You know, get it all out of the way. Uh, yeah, get it all out of the way. And um, yeah, the mornings for me are pretty the only peaceful time because my uh, my company's based out in Vegas, so I end up doing a lot of stuff late at night when guys are in the office out there. So the early morning for me is nice, nice peaceful time. I got the the cat here relaxing in his cat tree. <laughs> Took him three three months to figure out how to use these steps we built him to get up there. So yeah, it's it's. It's a nice, nice, peaceful morning, the calm before the storm, I guess you'd say. Now, were these steps created in some sort of wood shop in your backyard or was it like a pre? You know? No, they were they were bought from Amazon.com. Gotcha. But we did have to nail them into the walls and use okay. like uh, wall, wall dogs, you call them, I guess. And then we put a platform on the wall and all for this cat who for three months just refused to use these <laughs> steps. He would only go up to this top platform if you pick him up and put him up there. And then one day the flip switched and he's like, oh, wait, maybe I can just use these steps. So that's nice. Cats are cool. Yeah, my uh, they are really they're really, really cool. My lady friend that I'm uh, currently talking to has two. Oh, wow. That's some breaking news. Yeah, I guess you could say that. I, I don't know how serious it is or whatever, but 
She's got two cats. The one's cool. His name is Ralph, but I call him Greg because apparently that was his <laughs> name when she adopted him. And okay. I think Greg is a much better cat name than Ralph. For sure. They're both good. But yeah. you're confusing the cat. I mean, I am. I'm calling I'm not, him the, the pre-adoption name. I'm not over there enough for him to get confused. She usually okay. uh, she usually comes here, but that's a story for a different day. Um <laughs> So Obviously, we're here to talk about the Flyers. For those that don't know, for those that are new to the show, welcome. Um, you know, this is, I feel like the last couple of years since we've been doing this podcast, at least like a few times a year, I say that the Flyers are the most confusing team I've ever seen. And we're kind of back at that. And they went back to back with the shutouts against Buffalo. And they played well. But Buffalo was just really bad. Like, they... Buffalo did not want to be on the ice. They were not they were not interested in playing hockey those two games. And once again, Brian Elliott comes in, plays great. Carter Hart on Sunday played great. Shutout. Awesome. And then they play the Penguins. And the defense totally shit the bed. They lose 5-2. And now I think a lot of people are finally opening their eyes, you included, that it's time. It's definitely time for Chuck Fletcher to make a change to this team. There's some names out there. I mean, we talked about it last week with Matthias Ekholm. That's obviously the big name. And, you know, at this point, it's it's not time to sit on your hands anymore. I was okay with them not making a move this past offseason. I wanted to roll with what they had last season and build some more continuity going into this season. But at this point, Chuck Fletcher's kind of been at the helm here for two two plus years whatever it's been now so he knows what this team is and he's got a good sample size now to know what this team needs and how to take this team to the next step move it forward make them a real cup contender not just in the fans eyes but in reality and there's no better time than right now to pull the trigger and make something happen because this team is in trouble if he doesn't you know we talk about it a lot like i I don't. I still don't understand this team. It makes no sense to me. This team, and this has been going on for years and years through multiple coaches. They, they, you know, they have a year where they have a ten-game winning streak and they miss the playoffs. They have a year where they have a ten-game losing streak and they make the playoffs. They get blown out multiple times in the same year by teams like the Sabers. Like they got blown out earlier this year by the Sabers. I. And then, you know, they'll have games where they look terrific. Last season, the second half of the season, they were arguably the best team in the East. And then through the round robin last year, they're the best team in the East. And then they, they you know, they win a few playoff rounds, but they, they don't exactly look great doing it, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, or was it, I don't even remember, was it just the one playoff round the one they won? Round. And then they, yeah, and then they lost the next round in seven games. You know, and this year, despite being grossly outshot early on, they, you know, they, what did they, they won like eight of their first 11 games. People thought maybe they're, then they, then they went on, you know, then they lost four or five and it looked like, okay, well, maybe it's catching up to them that they're, the underlying stats say they're not playing very good hockey. Then they beat the Rangers, Sabres and Sabres again, you know probably the two worst teams in the division. The, the devils are bad too. Um, and then 
which sets off this big argument on Flyers Twitter. Like, are you allowed to be happy when they're beating bad teams? Well, sure, you can be happy when they're beating bad teams, but you have to realize when they beat bad teams. But you can also understand that maybe it doesn't mean that much. Then the game against the Penguins on Tuesday, I thought they came out really strong in that game. Tristan Yari was really good early on. Um, and, and, you know, Flyers came out strong. They get the first goal from Farabee. And then probably to me, the literally the worst play of the season happened after that. And it, it happened to a guy that was probably, you know, the guy you didn't want it to happen to because so far this year, Shane Gostas has been really good. And he was on a, you know, really nice run of hockey scoring goals. And then all of a sudden he's got the puck at the blue line. And he makes arguably one of the worst passes I've ever seen. I mean, this is a pass that like guys would get yelled at in my roller hockey league for passing. He he plays it backwards to no one except for Kasperi Kapanen, the fastest skater on either team. And Kapanen goes in on a breakaway and scores. That turns around to me the the entire momentum of the game. The Penguins score two more goals in the period, which is the second period. They go on to win the game, and it's like, you know, and then the, I don't know if it was the second or the third goal for the Penguins, but Gostas Bear and Provov were out there, and they just let two Penguins guys get right behind them. Um, I think it might have been the Brian Rust goal. And it's like you watch this team, and for years now, they've just been up and down, so streaky. It's time to do, here's the thing, like, if you think, if you think that this team has a chance to win a cup with this core, with Giroux and JVR and Couturier and, you know, Provorov, Sanheim, Myers, Carter Hart, and I think that there still is that chance that if they change the mix of players a little bit, they could make a cup run this year. You've got to make the move because you have so many prospects. You have pretty much all your draft picks and if you don't win a cup this year or next year you're getting to the point where the older guys are you know where i don't know if the young guys are ready to become the next quote-unquote core of this team the, the bottom line is like life is short like which yeah. this <laughs> pandemic is kind of proving to people right you you've you've got to go for it you've got enough prospects you've got to try and make something work where you can upgrade the defense you have to upgrade the defense because they just look horrible out there for the most part and and like i said we've gotten our our heads bashed in from the the metric standpoint given up tons of shots provorov has looked lost out there at times Shane Gosses Bear clearly sh probably shouldn't be getting first pair minutes. He's going to make mistakes like that. Um, you've got to do something to change it up. And and I would like to add a, a forward to kind of change the mix there too. I think our forwards are good, but I'd like to add a little bit more nastiness. Mm -hmm. So it's to me, this is why you bring Chuck Fletcher in. He, you know, I I think Ron Hextall, here's just to go on a, a little mini thing. You know, I see a lot of people on Twitter saying, you know, well, Hextall was fired because he didn't make moves. And look, Ron Hextall, I think, was fired because he ostracized the alumni and he just kind of built little silos in the organization. I don't think Hextall was fired because he wouldn't make a trade. He went that full Chip said, Kelly on the Flyers. He went full Chip Kelly on the Flyers. That being said, 
Like when you bring Chuck Fletcher, any GM of this team, you need to recognize when it's time to be a buyer at the trade deadline. And it's this, if it's not this year, I don't know when it is. So they've got to try and figure something out. Yeah. And I want people listening to the kind of realize the importance of, of what just happened because you, and I, I saw that you even put it on Twitter after the, after the Penguins game the other night that, you are very much you're you're one of the biggest prospect guys out there as far as the Flyers go. You know these guys top to bottom. You watch them in juniors in in the AHL. You, you obviously you know your shit. You put out the, the your top 20 prospects every year. You know what you're talking about. So these guys if anybody and now here you are saying that it's time to get re- unload some of these guys because at the at the end of the day Everybody that you draft isn't going to be on the pro team. You know, you're not going to have it. You're not going to have an entire roster full of guys that you've drafted and that you've groomed. And you're absolutely right. If it's not this year, then when the hell is it? Because like, I feel like the last couple of years, we've all kind of talked ourselves into, well, this team's still growing. You still have to see what you have in these guys. They're still coming in on their own. I mean, I feel like we're on year three of saying that with this kind of new core of, you know, Konechny and Provorov and Myers and, you know, Couturier really being the guy. And now, now you have the goaltender and it's it's time because I don't as much as I like the forwards as as talented as they are, I feel like they're not getting enough from a lot of the guys. I feel like Lindblom could give them more. Patrick could obviously give them more. He's been just terrible all year. I'm, you know, if there's a trade to be made, I hope he's part of it because I'm done with the the Nolan Patrick experiment in Philadelphia. I'm I'm okay with getting rid of him. Konechny needs to be better. This is a guy that coming in the year was supposed to be one of their top scorers, and he's totally shit the bed. So there's there's young guys on this team, homegrown guys on this team that aren't giving this team enough. And at this point, you have to just cut your losses with some of these guys and bring in proven NHL talent. And you put the tweet out, the uh, I believe it was yesterday, this kind of blockbuster trade scenario. And I've kind of kicked it around on Twitter here and there of bringing in, you know, once the rumors kind of came in about Matthias Ekholm being available, and obviously the Flyers should be at the top of the you know the list calling him or calling the predators trying to get him on their team you know i thought because a couple weeks ago you're seeing that well maybe philip forsberg is available too and i'm thinking fuck it why not try to make a play for both of them you have the prospects you have the draft picks you have guys on the pro roster that could make that trade possible and I don't know if you have it. I could try to pull it up real quick. The trade, or yeah, I've got it. Have... All right, yeah. So if you yeah, want to go, go ahead and, can... and lay it out for the people, yeah. So here's, you know, so first of all, Matthias Ekholm is is, I'd say, inarguably the top defenseman out there in terms of who is likely to get traded because you got to remember that we're only a third of the way through the season, so there's not that many teams who are out of the playoff hunt. Um, you know, like, for example, Dougie Hamilton is probably the best um, free agent defenseman coming up. However, he's on the Carolina Hurricanes. The Carolina Hurricanes are a legitimate cup contender. So it's unlikely that the Hurricanes are going to want to trade a guy like Dougie Hamilton 
you know, before the trade deadline. So the Flyers could wait until after the season and go after him, and he'd be a perfect fit. He's a right-handed defenseman. He could play on the top pair with Ivan Provorov. Um, but Carolina is probably not going to trade him. The Nashville Predators, you know, are, are not looking very good this year. Ryan Ellis, one of their top defensemen, they just announced is out for a while. Um, they're not in a playoff spot. It looks like the Predators want to kind of rebuild a little bit. So they're the perfect team to make a trade with. Matthias Ekholm is not an ideal fit because he's a left-handed defenseman. So the fit is not perfect on the top pair with Ivan Provorov. And neither of those guys have really played the right side. So you might have to put Provorov and Myers on the top pair and have, you know, Sanheim play on the right and Ekholm play on the left on the second pair. It's not perfect, but he's he's a skilled, tough defenseman who can play big minutes. He's playing 21 minutes a game right now. Um, and on their second pair. Um, and so he's kind of like the, the perfect, not perfect, but for who's available, he's the guy that you want. One of the other issues with Ekholm is that he's got two years left on his salary. He makes $3.7 million. And the problem there is that if you trade for him, you really can only protect three defensemen for the expansion draft this summer. So right now the Flyers, you'd think, would protect Provorov, Myers, and Sandheim. Uh, if you add Ekholm, it means that you are going to have to either, you know, let one of those guys be exposed to the expansion draft or work out some kind of trade with Seattle so that they will take someone different. Either way, that's a problem. So there's two problems with Ekholm. One is that he's a left-handed defenseman. The other is the expansion draft situation. Philip Forsberg, I love Philip Forsberg. He's yeah. a he's leading the, the Nashville Predators in points. He's only 26 years old. He's got two years left on a $6 million contract. He's a highly valuable commodity right now. And what I really like about him is that whenever we play the Predators, which it seems like it's been a while, he not only does he put points on the board, but he's a complete asshole. I mean, he, he will throw dirty hits. He slashes people. He's the kind of forward that I think the Flyers need. Because while you've got guys like Travis Konechny who will get under people's skin and Nicholas Albe-Kubel who will, you know, bang the body and, you know, um, you don't have someone who I think is just a complete dirty asshole who can also score. And that's what like a Philip Forsberg is. And I, I really like Forsberg. So, so I'm thinking, okay, if we could get Ekholm and Forsberg, it would be perfect. And it would maybe change the complexion of this team, shake things up and maybe give us a chance to, to turn things around. The problem is, you know, no team has salary cap space. So so we would be taking $10 million of salary from Nashville. Um, we'd have to give up salary. So to do that, you're going to have to trade someone off of our roster who makes a lot of money. And, you know, Giroux has a no trade clause, so you're not moving him. Kevin Hayes is a, our second line center. You're not moving him. JVR is playing one of his, you know, his best hockey in a long time. So you're not moving him. So to me, the guy that you would trade is like a Jake Voracek. He makes $8.25 million a year. The problem there is that he's got uh, four years left on his contract, three after this season. So Nashville, even though he's a good player, Nashville's not going to want to take that salary. So to get them to do that, you're going to have to really sweeten the pot in terms of prospects. So what I proposed was the Flyers get Ekholm and Forsberg, 
And the Predators get Voracek because they have to get the contract. Let's give them Nolan Patrick, who makes $875,000. Now, the, the hope there is that they see a young former number two pick overall who they think might be able to turn it around. Now, maybe they won't see that, but you know, I'm hoping that they'll see some value there with Nolan Patrick. Um, a first-round pick, because you're going to have to give up at least one first-round pick, maybe even two. And then you're going to have to give up an, one of your top prospects in a deal like this. So I think that the Predators probably want a good young defenseman. So I put Egor Zamula in there. I, he, he's a guy that I really would not want to trade because, you know, he's arguably the top defense prospect on this team. It's between him and Cam York. I think around the league, people probably view Cam York a little bit of a higher prospect, but Zamula is also a very good prospect. He's on national top, you know, 50 lists. Um, he's an A-level prospect. And then I also think you got to let's give him a couple of B-level prospects. So Jay O'Brien, who is a first round pick and who's really had a nice rebound this year um, as a collegiate player at Boston University. And Wade Allison, who's had some injury issues, but he's still a decent prospect. So, you know, to recap, the Flyers get Matthias Ekholm and Philip Forsberg and the Predators get Jake Voracek, Nolan Patrick, a first round pick, Egor Zamula, Jay O'Brien and Wade Allison. And it's, it's really not an easy trade to try and construct because, again, Voracek, they're not going to want Voracek at his age, salary, and contract. So you really have to sweeten the pot. They might want Morgan Frost, too, um, or Bobby Brink. And so you're going to have to work it out. But, but the bottom line here is I'm at the point where I'm willing to trade top prospects like Egor Zamula um, or Bobby Brink, um, you know, trade a first-round pick, trade some other prospects to try and get a deal like that done. And, and maybe it's not going to happen, but that's what I think Chuck Fletcher needs to be looking at something like that to really shake things up and improve the defense top four and, you know, do something to change the complexion of the forwards. Well, I'll tell you what, I absolutely, I love the train. And I think, you know, like you said, the, the, the hardest part of that is trying to get Nashville to take Voracek. And I, it, honestly, if you have to sweeten the pot even further than you did, and if you have to throw in a Morgan Frost, if you have to throw in a Bobby Brink, I'm even doing that because I think that trade, bringing in those guys, you know, Elaine Vino is all about sending messages to players. You know, he loves to bench the veterans. He's done it already this year. He did it with Myers, who's not really a true veteran, but. You know, he's coming into his own still. He benched him the one game against Buffalo. He's benched uh, Konechny. We've seen him bench guys in, in the past. JBR's been in there. So he loves to send messages. So what what bigger message could you send to the guys that stay on your team than we just traded a guy in Jake Voracek and, and fuck it, even Nolan Patrick. You know, here's a guy, Nolan Patrick, we just spent a second overall pick on a couple years ago. Jake Voracek has been here forever. I always forget how long Jake Voracek's actually been here because time just goes by so quick. It feels like five years, but it's obviously been more than that. And we just traded like three, two to three of our top prospects and a first round pick. We just went all in on those two guys because we think that what we have here wasn't good enough. To me, that's the ultimate message you can send to your team is we think that you guys aren't good enough. We needed to bring them in to make this team better. And I think that trade puts the Flyers. I love I love Philip Forsberg for all the reasons that you mentioned. He's young. 
He's exactly what the Flyers need. I think Philip Forsberg is a guy that I, I think the Flyers would like Travis Connecting to try to become. But really, Travis Connecting is just a shit talker. And that's why people, you know, fawn over him. And I, lo- I like Travis Connecting. I, I think when he's on, when he's playing his game, that he's a really good player and he's he could be a top scorer for the Flyers. But he's not doing it this year. So that move makes sense on thousands of levels for the Flyers to do. If you could get David Poyle to do it in Nashville, I would do it right now in a heartbeat because that trade makes the fly that I mean, if that doesn't make you a cup contender, I really don't know what will because you know, there's not much more you could do in season to get uh, you know, to get this thing moving forward. And a team like Nashville that is kind of they had their run there where they were really good making making runs for the cup in the playoffs. Obviously, they're in a retooling, rebuilding phase. That trade does exactly that for them. It it retools their farm system, gives them another draft pick, gives them a veteran guy in the locker room like Voracek, gives them a second overall pick, a project, if you will, in Nolan Patrick. I think it works on a lot of levels, and I love it. Um, before we went on this uh, this episode here, I was just kind of doing some morning reading, and I wanted to throw another name at you that I happened to see. I, I came across an article on flyersnittygritty.com. This was by Lance Green, and he obviously put Ekholm. It was kind of comparing two defensemen that the Flyers should go after, and Ekholm was one of them. And another name that I thought was interesting, I want to get your uh, your opinion on it, was David Savard out of Columbus. And basically, he kind of outlined that Savard kind of fits what the Flyers need, and and he's right. He's the right-handed defenseman that they obviously need, and he has more toughness and more grit to his game than even Ekholm. And what I like about Ekholm and Savard both coming to the Flyers is they're not that offensive first defenseman that the Flyers have in droves. They have so many of them. They're kind of they're the stay-at-home defensive defenseman that you know, will stand up for their team that will, you know, block the shots and, and, and make the hits. But when I was looking at the when I was looking at the stats comparing Ekholm to Savard, as far as, t- you know, toughness and grit, and whatever word you want to use, Ekholm has one hit and 18 blocks this year to Savard's 60 hits and 49 blocks, block shots. I, I, I think Savard. This obviously bringing him in would cost the Flyers less, maybe a mid-round pick, fourth, fifth round. He his contract expires at the end of the year, so now you don't have to protect him. You could still protect your, you know, Provorov, Myers, Sandheim in the ex- expansion draft. I hope we're done with expansion drafts after this for a while because I'm tired of dealing with this shit. So I think Savard makes a lot of sense for the Flyers too. Columbus right now is on the outside looking in in the playoff picture, but they could sneak in. So you kind of have to gauge, you know, where they're at. They just made the move for for Line A earlier in the year, so I think it's worth making a call. I think Savard makes sense, and you're not going to give up a first round pick for him. So if you still wanted to shake up the team even more, which they should, and add another forward, you could still make the call to Nashville for Philip Forsberg. You have a first-round pick and top prospects in your pocket to make that deal happen. It's a lesser move that could lead to bigger things, and I love it. Yes, Savard is uh, hes more of a fit from a certain perspective than Ekholm. Uh, As you mentioned, he's a right-handed defenseman. 
you know, he, he plays in Columbus's top four. He's playing the last four years. He's been playing right around 20 minutes a game. Um, he's not a, he's not nearly as offensively skilled as Ekholm is. I mean, he's got, you know, he's got zero goals in the last two years, but like you said, he's, he's more of a, Ekholm's very good defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's not a overly, you know, he's not going to throw huge checks. He's just, his positioning is very good. He's a very solid defensive player who also contributes offensively. Savard is like you mentioned, he's, he's always has over a hundred blocks and a hundred hits every year. Basically last year, he had 129 hits and 163 blocks and 68 games. So, you know, he's, he's reliable. He plays big minutes. He's good defensively. You know, he's a guy that you could probably throw on that top pair with Ivan Provorov. And like you mentioned, he's not going to cost as much, I don't think, as an Ekholm. You could probably pry him array away for a second-round pick. Now, one of the issues there with Savard is that he makes $4.5 million, $4.25, I think. So you're going to have to do some salary work. So, mm-hmm. you know, Columbus is going to have to take some salary back or they're going to have to, you know, retain some of his salary for this season. So you're going to have to... Either way, you're going to have to figure out a way to sweeten the pot for Columbus in that trade because of the salary situation. But I'm sure they could work that out. So at a bare minimum, if the Flyers can't make a big move with Nashville and get Ekholm, yeah, I think Savard is the guy that you know, you've know you got to at least get, especially if Columbus is out of the playoff picture, um, which they very well you know, they, they very well might be rather soon. I'm just pulling up the standings now. I mean, I don't think they're in a playoff spot right now, are they? Let's see. They're uh, fifth place in their division. Yeah, so Columbus is fifth place in their division by by a lot. I mean, they're, they've played the most games other than the Red Wings, and they're five points out of a playoff spot. So right now, they're, you know, them and Nashville are fifth and sixth in the central division and they're pretty well out of it at this point. So I, I think Columbus is going to be looking to sell. And yeah, Savard's a guy that you definitely need to look at. Yeah, Columbus seems like the team. I think probably uh, uh, Tortorella is probably out at the end of this year. They tried making the move for line A, and that's obviously not working. So they, they, it seems like a team that has been trying the last couple of years to you know, make short-term moves to get them over the hump and get them to be, you know, a, a, a serious playoff team and a serious cup contender, and it's just not working out. So, yeah, it seems like they're a team that's about to just start selling off pieces and kind of rebuild for the future. And the Flyers, I think, if they can't, like you said, if they can't make the a bigger deal for an Ekholm, you know, that's a, that's a lesser move that still helps them, still makes them a better team. And I, I'm all for it, absolutely. One prospect, and we don't, <clears throat> we don't really talk a huge, and that's probably because of me, because I'm like illiterate when it comes to, I only have so much brain capacity to to talk about players and things like that, and going into the AHL is just, that's just more names that I have to remember and more stats that I have to remember, and there's just no way I don't have a big enough brain for it. But you do, and but one guy that's standing out amongst all else with the Phantoms right now. And one guy I don't want them to touch is Zade Wisdom. I'm sure sh- I'm sure you knew who Zade Wisdom was before the Flyers drafted him because you're you. But did you ever? I mean, th- like it's it's a weird 
dynamic right now with him that he wouldn't even be on the Phantoms right now. He'd probably still be in juniors if it wasn't for COVID-19 because what, what was it? Was he, in, he was in the OHL, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're, what a story. Right. I mean, the, guy, the kid's incredible. And right now, 18 years old, he is tearing it up in the AHL. He is among the top in the league in scoring. I mean, and like you said, what I'm coming from where he was as a child, you know, just uh, basically poverty. That's and what he turned himself into. And now he is one of the best prospects in hockey right now. And something that the Flyers, you know, can be proud of because they you could consider him a draft steal. Absolutely. And he's a, he's exactly the type of player that I you know I wish he was ready to go right now because he's exactly what the Flyers need in terms of his toughness and the way that he plays, you know he gets the comparisons from to to Wayne Simmons, and Wayne Simmons, you know obviously put his stamp of approval on him. Wayne Simmons is a he's still a hero in this town for what you know for the way he played here. There's there's not enough good things to say about Zade Wisdom right now. And I wanted to give him kind of some props and some shout outs because we don't really, like I said, we don't talk too much about the Phantoms and the AHL and stuff like that. But the kid's playing out of his mind right now. And the Flyers should be really proud and really happy with that pick. Yeah. So before I go into Zade Wisdom, let's not get too carried away. I mean, you mentioned he's one of the best prospects in hockey. That's not true. Well, but right now, that's the way he's take- playing in a, in a vacuum, in a vacuum. Okay. Well, let's take a look. Yeah, let's. I mean, so Zade Wisdom was drafted in the fourth round this year by the Flyers. The, the fourth round, as you know, as an 18 year old, and he'd been playing in the OHL. He had a pretty good season last year with Kingston, averaging almost a, a, a point a game. He was playing on their top line with some other really good players, and so some folks thought maybe he's you know um, riding on the coattails a little bit. He's playing with, um, I think Shane Wright, who's who's you know a, a top player. Um, he's a guy that the Flyers drafted because of, you know, the toughness. He's a really tough kid. He he plays a heavy game, and he also has some offensive upside. And it's it's interesting guys like him that don't put up huge numbers, um, but maybe they're not necessarily being asked to take on that role. And then you see what happens as they develop. So because of COVID, instead of going back to the OHL, he's playing in the AHL this season. Um, and it's very tough for 18-year-olds playing in the AHL against you know other professionals. He's been unbelievable. I mean, and he's, he's almost averaging a goal a game. He's got six goals in eight games. He's got nine points. He, he's really doing all the little things. It's not just scoring. I mean, he's again, they didn't draft him for scoring. They drafted him because he's a tough player who's defensive responsibly and had some offensive upside. And we're already seeing that. I mean, he's scoring highlight real goals in the AHL. It's a small sample size. It's it's eight games. I mean, if, if you remember German Rupsov when he first went to the AHL and he was a little, he was older than wisdom i think he was probably two years older when he first went to the ahl but he was averaging i think close to a point a game in his first 10 or 11 games in the ahl and people were going crazy german rupsov he's you know this is what we this is the first round pick we drafted and you know you people doubting him were crazy well rupsov just has not really ever lived up to that potential and i don't think he's ever going to be a solid nhl player so we got to look at the small sample size bias and and make sure we're keeping things in perspective, but 
what I would say is that at this point, Zade Wisdom looks like an absolute steal in the fourth round. If he keeps playing like this, you know, be it in the AHL or the OHL, if he plays the whole season like this, he's going to really skyrocket up the Flyers prospect rankings to the point where, you know, you maybe have him in the top tier of Flyers prospects, depending on the rest of the season goes. So it's, it's very, it's one of the most encouraging stories in the Flyers organization this year, I would say so far is how good Zade Wisdom has been in the AHL and let's just see him keep it up. The good news with Wisdom is that even if he doesn't keep up scoring like this, he still brings those other intangibles to right. the game. So it's it's that's looking like a very good draft pick right now. I agree. All right, a couple quick hits before we get out of here. Um, Carter Hart has not been good this season. And, you know, I, me, and I, I know you, you're very level-headed, obviously. You just put me in check and I needed to be but I'm not concerned at all about Carter Hart over the long term um I see a lot of people I think it was it was especially after the Boston game the outdoor game at Tahoe that people I'm seeing like just ridiculous shit on Twitter the reaction like the people just react just I, I get it but like the people that are just like oh I knew it People that are worried, quote-unquote, concerned or worried about Carter Hart. I think it's important to remember that this kid is still very young, but he is, you know, so there, there's going to be ebbs and flows. There was no shot ever that he was just going to come in from rookie year till the time he retires and just be on this linear upward tick and just be better and better every year. He hasn't been good this year. Luckily for the Flyers, Brian Elliott has been. So, but, but my question to you is, what are you seeing with Carter Hart that has him, you know, not living up to, and I don't want to say not living up to, but not playing to the level that we've seen him play in the past? I mean, you know, from a statistics standpoint, he's been terrible. I mean, he's, right. he's got an 893 save percentage, a 3.5 goals against average. Compare that to Brian Elliott at 931 save percentage and a two goals against average. I don't really – I'm not putting that much into it. I mean, like we've talked about, the Flyers' defense, by and large, has been terrible this season. Yeah, allowing to tons a lot of shots. Yeah, yeah, hanging them out to dry, allowing tons of shots. The Boston game, he got lit up, and that was kind of a weird circumstance in the, in the outdoor game with the sun glare. Um, yeah, I'm really just not that concerned about him at the moment. I mean, <laughs> I, I watch him play. And I just I don't see a lot of reason for concern. I still see a very good, very talented young goalie. In some ways, it could be a blessing in disguise because he's up for a new contract at the end of this season. Exactly. And he's a restricted free agent and maybe it suppresses what they have to pay him a little bit. Although I do have some concerns about another team offer sheeting him because it's not that often that you, you've got a 22 year old goalie who's going to who's becoming a free agent, restricted mm -hmm. free agent. Um, but no, I'm just, I'm not that concerned about him. I think we'll, we'll see him. We'll see the numbers improve. Hopefully as the team's play improves, I was going to say, we'll see his play improve. I really just don't think he's been playing that poorly. Um, just, just based on the eye test, but we'll see what happens over the, the course of the season. I mean, they've got, this is a really important rest of the week. They've got the penguins twice 
and then the Capitals and and the Flyers get no rest. I mean, they're no. because they missed two weeks due to COVID protocol. They're going to be playing basically three to four games a week for the foreseeable future. So, um, you know, they're going to need both goalies to be playing well. So it's a big, big week. And and hopefully I assume Hart will play at least one game the rest of the week and Elliot will play maybe two. But um, but we'll see what happens. I'm not concerned. I thought it was hilarious after the uh, after the Penguins uh, picked up Mark Friedman when the Flyers put him on waivers that you put out a tweet that said, if you think this is bad, just wait till Hextall offer sheets uh, Carter Hart in the offseason. And like, obviously, there was like huge amounts of sarcasm in that tweet. But like, I just love when you get the people that are like, well, they don't have the draft. They don't have the draft picks to even be able to do that. And I'm just like. Just, like, read between the lines, people. Obviously, you didn't think that was going to happen, and the Penguins are pretty invested in Tristan Jari right now. I mean, I think Carter Hart is better and will be over time, but, yeah, just accept the jokes, more or less. Well, I will say this, though. You know... I would Hold on, real quick. I've seen... Look, I've, I've, I've seen a lot of people saying that Carter Hart's going to sign some really low-dollar salary extension, right? Like, people are saying he's going to sign for under $3 million for this next contract as a restricted free agent. And, look, maybe I'm totally off-base and these people are right, but I cannot fathom that he's going to sign for less than $3 million. Travis Sanheim, in his first RFA deal, you know, signed for over, you know, over $3 million. Like... And and so for me, putting that tweet out there was like trying to get people to realize like this is not negotiating with Carter Hart in a vacuum. Like there are tons of teams out there that would die to have a good young goaltending, a good young goaltender like Carter Hart. And I won't be surprised if somebody offer sheets Carter Hart. And so that's I was just kind of putting that out there, you know, to put people, you know, on notice like. As this is one of the reasons I don't think he's going to sign for less than three million because there are other teams out there that would die to have this guy in their organization, and so that's just why I think we're going to have to pay him more. Do I think the Penguins are going to offer sheet him? No, probably not. Um, but yeah, you never know. I'll say this, and it, well, you reached your goal with the tweet as far as me because it never even entered my mind the, the thought of possibly a team offer sheeting him, and then I read the tweet and I was like, well, shit. It may not be Pittsburgh, but why? What's stopping somebody else from doing it? And especially if they're hearing that the Flyers are trying to get him for under three million, yeah. I, I, if I'm the GM of literally almost any team in the league, and I hear how that, how about I'd the Carolina like, Hurricanes? Yeah, they I mean need a team that a goaltender. If, like, yeah, if they could get a guy like Carter Hart with the team they have, that puts them well in the conversation for for the Stanley Cup. So, yeah, I'm, it would just be idiotic and completely. It would just be dumb for the Flyers to even think that they're that they could get him for less than three million. Uh, yeah, I mean, him having a down year statistically may drop his price a little bit, but I mean, we're talking like million, million and a half, which could go a long way down the road. But it's not going to go from seven million down to like two and a half, three million. That's just that's probably that will never happen ever. So. You mentioned the schedule coming up. Obviously, we know the month ahead. They only they're playing every other day. But I don't care about down the road. I'm care about more about tonight. Pittsburgh. They have to bounce back. Um, 
just just for fun, I'm betting Mark Friedman to score a goal tonight. And uh, <laughs> that's a and great bet. What what'd you get? What price did you get on that? I haven't done it yet. I'm still gonna look. I'm gonna look at DraftKings uh, promo code THPN for you for you people out there um for you newcomers but yeah i'm just gonna throw a little bit of some bullshit money on him to score either to you know both tonight and the next game well, i guess it's saturday night but i guess the obvious thing to say is i guess crosby's not gonna play tonight because he's still on the COVID list which is huge and you think that would be a big deal would have been enough for the flyers to take control of in the last game but what are you looking for tonight? Because obviously the big thing is the defense has to be better. And I don't know what they're going to do as far as the lines. If, if Bunneman or um, if, if uh, Albe Kubel is going to go back in, I would absolutely put him back in and take Patrick the fuck out of the lineup. I think that makes them you know better. I like keeping that fourth line intact. They've been pretty strong all year and breaking it up and putting Konechny in didn't make much sense to me. Everybody else that came back from COVID just went right back into their role and they played well. I get connecting struggling, but I, I don't see, I didn't see how it was going to benefit him playing on the fourth line and breaking up a line that's been playing well. So the Flyers, I mean, it's not a must win, but it's, it's a win that you're going to, you're going to feel it's, you're going to feel good for as bad as people felt after the game on, uh, Tuesday. I don't even know what day it is anymore, but the last game, I guess it was Tuesday, as bad as people felt about that loss, the Flyers could pick up a win tonight and look good from start to finish. It's gonna, it's not, it doesn't really matter about the fans, but it's gonna make the team feel a lot better moving forward as this month gets progressively worse and worse. I mean, every, yeah, every game is really gonna be important. Again, like, the game Tuesday against the Penguins, I thought that the forward group played pretty well for a lot of the game and uh, it was just that you know Shane Gostas bear horrible turnover that ch- turned around the complexion of the game but again you're playing a penguin team without Crosby like you're probably supposed to beat them so this I I don't know if I would make changes to the to the forward group I mean you know God Farabee's just been so good he's such a so good player good. we haven't talked um, about him enough just incredible um the def- it's you know the defense is just such a mess it's like it's it's hard for me to concentrate on like take it game by game because i know that they're just i'm convinced that there's just something has got to change with that group right. so i'm like i'm at the point where i'm like we need to to bring someone in and we talked about it ad nauseum but i think the fords in the, on this team are, are very good i think the mix of fords is okay one thing i did find interesting in the last game was jvr there were a couple plays where he had a chance to deflect the puck in front of the net and he had a couple really good scoring chances and he didn't score. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, Oh man, is James Van Riemsdyk's deal with Satan that he's had so far this year, (laughs) where basically every shot, every shot that he takes and every deflection opportunity ends in the back of the net is his deal with Satan ending. Um, And if, if it is, then, you know, this team's going to be in a little bit of trouble because he's the leading scorer on the team. And some other guys are going to have to pick it up. But I did think that was that was kind of interesting. But I wouldn't make too many changes with the Ford group. You know, Lindblom and Patrick have got to get going. The, the, with Lindblom, it's, I'm thinking to myself, is this a question of just him getting up back up to speed after the, you know, dealing with the cancer last year? Or is there a chance that he's never going to get back to that level because of the cancer? I don't know. Um, ho- hopefully he can start contributing offensively soon. 
And yeah, Nolan Patrick, I think has played a little bit better over the last week, but he's got to start contributing offensively too. So, so those are some, some things to, on the lookout for. And also, I guess we'll see what happens with Shane Gostas. Like, is he going to get scratched now because of that horrible game that he had? Um, I hope not. Um, I hope he can get some confidence back, but I don't think Provrov's been all that great this year either. So yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. You just kind of pray each night that they're 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 out there that the defense uh, has a good performance. Yep, I I agree. It's you never. It's like oh, it's it's like you're playing Russian roulette with with the defense. You never know like when you're going to pull the trigger. What you know what's going to come out of the gun, but. You know, hopefully tonight, and again, not a must win, but definitely a win the Flyers need uh, for sure. All right, all right, I um, I have to get some sleep, so we're gonna cut this off right here, Dan. If if the people want to argue with you about your your take from last week's episode about Ivan Provorov, where where could they do that at? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at dsilver88. Love it, eighty eight for Eric Lindros, Big E, love it. It is. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Mark Flagman. That's with two ends. You can follow this show at underscore Getting Bullied. Get this episode and every episode of Getting Bullied through the Hockey Podcast Network. Anywhere you get your podcast, just type it in. Type in Getting Bullied or type in the Hockey Podcast Network and we'll pop up there too. And they're at HockeyPodNet on Twitter. So big game tonight for the Flyers. Not a must win, but definitely a necessity win. Let's Let's just say that. So no Crosby. I'm going to say a Flyers win. Let's say 3-1, Dan. What do you think? Uh, I think they're going to lose tonight. You think they're going to lose? I think they're going to lose tonight. Damn. Yeah, I think they're going to lose tonight. All right, well, good. Um, you know what? This is going to bring me back to my Sixers tank, tanking years. Maybe them losing again and maybe the defense looking bad again will jumpstart Chuck Fletcher, and maybe by Sunday we have a new defenseman here. Maybe Matias Ekholm's here. Yeah, I, I I think Chuck Fletcher probably realizes at this point he's got to do something. So I, I don't know if, if losing more will if, – if it takes more losses and more bad defensive play to prove to this guy that he needs to do something, I don't know what to say. But I'm guessing he's probably out there trying to get something done. Yeah, he's proven in the past that he'll 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 make moves that he think will make the team better. So, I think I think we'll uh, before long. I think we're going to be talking about uh, a trade on on an episode a re, on a soon to come episode. So, everybody out there, enjoy tonight's game, win or lose. You know, we'll be on Twitter bitching or or praising the team. So, but uh, enjoy the game, enjoy your life, and let's go Flyers.